So, um, so you performed oral sex on Barack I did. Obama. You did. That's a conspiracy theory. You're crazy. Shut up. So, as I'm doing a line, I just start. This is the part where you, you know, you kind of make your move to see where things are going. So I just started rubbing my hand along this thigh to see where it was going, and it went the direction I had intended it to go. So the night became somewhat active sexually and drug-wise in the limo. So you start rubbing his leg and he's... So it, it's not like this was something that he wasn't into. It's yeah. not something that he was shocked by. Yeah. Uh, shocked by you don't get excited and you don't unbutton your pants and you don't just sit there and let it happen. Yeah. So it wasn't, it definitely wasn't Barack's first time. That much I'm, I'm absolutely certain of. And I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as lost. You're not gonna believe this. I blew this guy twice. <laughs> so you were left with a bad taste in your mouth. You're listening to Facts and Friends. Welcome to this medically clear to podcast per Mitch McConnell's doctor's episode of the Facts and Friends podcast, <laughs> our season four premiere. Hey, that's a new intro theme there, Judson. Uh, yeah, can we replace all the audio, though, with something else? <laughs> I had no idea Barack Obama was such an inconsiderate lover. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get to that he in some strike detail. He doesn't like that at all. I assumed he would be reciprocating. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. My name is Tino, and joining me this week is my friend and co-host. Most of you know him as the guy who is equally as likely, if not even just a little bit more likely, than Larry Sinclair to have blown Barack Obama. <laughs> but I know him as Judson. Hello, Judson. Can we say equal? I think equally is fair. Equally is fair. I um, actually think it's a little more likely. <laughs> you think I have a better shot with your eyes? I, I do. I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Does he like well, we <laughs> small bears? I guess <laughs> if I classify myself. <laughs> It's not a cub. I'm not too old to be a cub, right? Yeah, you're too old to be a cub. You would be a. But bear. I'm not a big burly dude either. Like I'm not like you know, anyway. Right. You, I think you'd just be a dad. Just a dad. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we have a fantastic show for you. We're going to kick things off by catching up on some of the stories we missed while we were on hiatus last month. That means make believe crack smoking Obama gay sex, <laughs> proud boys definitely navigating the legal system as usual. <laughs> <laughs> MAGA indictment news and the Dunning-Kruger-McCarthy House's last gasp attempt to impeach Joe Biden for... <laughs> Let me see here, Judson. It's not their last attempt, just for the record. <laughs> Did you delete some of the notes? I'm, I'm not seeing the reason why the House would impeach Joe Biden. Why would you expect there to be a reason? Oh, the reason, the reason is that the House previously impeached Donald Trump. That's that's the reason. Mm, retribution politics. It's the, <laughs> it's the new kind of politics. It's all they have. Later on, we'll sit down with a brilliant artist and storyteller, Leon Fenster, to talk about his latest work, January 6th, The Puzzle, which tells the story of the January 6th insurrection in a way that's both irreverent and funny, as well as thought-provoking. And we'll finish the show off with an update on our right-wing hate anthem hoax. Spoiler alert. Someone might have gotten to the party a week before we did. <laughs> Foiled again. 
I know. All right. Before we get to the news, Judson, people might have been wondering what the fuck happened to our Q&A episode that we said we were going to air during the hiatus. We recorded it. We did. I, I remember recording it. Yeah. Long story short, when I sat down to edit it, I just didn't feel like it worked as a 45 minute episode. Do- I, I, I know. I know. That's never <laughs> stopped us before. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. Right. We've, we've aired many a show that didn't work as a 45 minute episode. <laughs> We just made it longer. Yeah, of course. I'm sure we're better at an hour and 15 minutes. I mean, it just stands to reason. In all honesty, I I just felt like coming out of what I thought was our best season so far, season three, I didn't want to release something that wasn't building on that momentum. If that makes sense. Sure. So that said, I do think we owe the listeners a look into one of your controversial answers. Oh, Christ. What is your most embarrassing crush on a right-wing person? I don't know, Tommy Lauren, I I guess. Wow, no hesitation or anything. Such you, bullshit. you just you just jumped right in there with Tommy Lahren. When you, when, when you cut it like that, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yes. yes. Listen, I think the listeners would have expected you to have more integrity than that. Um would you care to play who your right wing crush is? I didn't have an answer to the question. That is a lie. That is a dirty, <laughs> dirty lie. Somehow I've lost that clip. Um, okay. It was Nick Fuentes. It was Nick Fuentes. <laughs> no, it wasn't. That is a. <laughs> I, you got to play the tape or it didn't happen. Uh, I'm going to have to go find the clip. Fine. I. We're stopping recording. I'm going to go find the goddamn clip. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. I don't know if I should even reveal this last one because you might just hang up the Zoom call and quit the show. You got it now. Oh, man. Let's just. All right. That's our hiatus. No, no. Who's the last one? Don't rob our questions, questioners of their answers. To preserve my own dignity. (laughs) Oh, this is going to leave a mark. This is not like every angle all the time, but a tiny bit, only some angles. Nick Fuentes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can we cut it now? All right. That's our hiatus mailback oh show. God. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I'll never be able to unhear that. I, I need to go look for a new co-host for season four. Uh, I, I hope you all learned everything about us you wanted to know and some things you maybe didn't. Definitely. Anyway, now everyone knows for themselves why we didn't air the Q&A show. Just think that was the least incriminating part of what we talked about. I know. And for the record, in Judson's defense, there was about three and a half minutes of me (laughs) trying to like drag an answer out of him when he just didn't have one. And that's like, I cut it that way. I cut those three and a half minutes out. So it he sounded kept, like, he kept feeding me people like, uh, no, 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 uh, Christy Christy like, Nome, I was like, no, Kelly, I don't really know. No, no, I just, no. <laughs> On to the news, Judson. Yes, the news. Continuing to breach his contract with Fox News, Tucker Carlson aired an interview on Twitter last week with one Larry Sinclair. Now, you're probably wondering who the hell Larry Sinclair is. I assume he owns Sinclair Broadcasting, which owns all of the the local news stations now. I'm sure he wishes he did. He may have told someone he did along the way. But we'll get to who Larry Sinclair is in just a moment. Let's start with the claim Sinclair made 
in this interview with Tuckums, which are essentially that he performed fellatio on Obama on more than one occasion, two occasions total, while in both occasions, the former president was smoking crack. <laughs> Before you go off and scream, that's a conspiracy theory. You're crazy. Shut up. <laughs> Let, let's let's. I just hear. thought it was very racist, actually. <laughs> Let's hear what Larry Sinclair has to say. As he tells the story, Judson, yep. he was introduced to Obama at a bar by some limo driver in 1999. <laughs> he and Obama get back into the limo. They leave the bar. They go into the limo. He gives Obama $250 to buy some Coke. Then they, the limo driver takes them somewhere for Obama to make the purchase. And after Obama allegedly makes the purchase and gets back into the limo, this happens. So as I'm doing a line, I just start, this is the part where you, you know, you kind of make your move to, to see where things are going. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going. And it went the direction I had intended it to go. Um, so the night became somewhat active sexually and drug-wise in the limo. Now, who among us <laughs> hasn't gotten a little high in a limo and decided to let some random guy blow him? Am I right, <laughs> I was going to ask you if this is how all gay men meet. Is that is this the is this the meet cute of the gay community? I am unfamiliar with that. I thought you as the expert would, would be able to tell us. Usually not a limo, but yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was actually super racist. Is I don't know I don't even know why was it why did you think it was racist? Because uh Larry Sinclair is doing a line of Coke while Barack Obama, the black man, is smoking crack in the back. Yes. He did pull it out of the inside pocket of his suit jacket, so Oh, he didn't have to buy his Coke. He already had Classy. his Coke. Ah, I see. Yeah. Why was Barack Obama in a limo in 1999? Just out of curiosity. Because this limo driver knew Barack Obama and introduced the two. But right, but but why are limo drivers simply driving people around? Who I mean, was he paying the limo driver? Was why did he why was did going he... to a skyscraper to save his wife on Christmas? <laughs> he wasn't president. Uh, he right, um, Judson. Sorry, sorry. What you're going to need here is what they call willing suspension of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, I'm a skeptic by nature. I don't really okay. have that. None of this is true, Judson. I'll go along with it for a good story, <laughs> but right. it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, he wasn't even a state senator at that point, right? I think he was. When did Barack Obama the interview he was? I didn't, I didn't actually look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. All right, you look it up. I'll continue telling the story. Sure. Because, Judson, Sinclair knows things. Like, this wasn't Obama's first time. So you start rubbing his leg, and he's, I mean, I, I think, I'll just be totally blunt with you, like, a man who's not into gay sex would be like, whoa, 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 settle okay. down. Trust me, if it was something that you were not interested in, yeah. uh, and you're right, I've had guys that uh, I read wrong that would literally try to break your hand. For sure. Uh, if, if you went in that route. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Tucker is super fast to endorse extreme bodily harm as a response to a guy sort of touching his thigh suggestively. I honestly, I think if you touch Tucker's thigh suggestively, you kind of deserve what you get. <laughs> you mean like a squinting kind of constipated look? <laughs> Quizzical, confused. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Uh, and I was wrong, actually. Barack Obama was a state senator. 90, he's looked in 96, okay. started serving in 97. So, so. so at least one thing in the interview was true. It is true. He checked He checked his Wikipedia page before he made the story up. All right, let's go on. Not Obama's first time. Sinclair is sure of it. <laughs> 
for sure. Uh, if if you went in that route, so it, it's not like this was something that he wasn't into. It's yeah. not something that he was shocked by. Yeah. Uh, shocked by you don't get excited and you don't unbutton your pants and you don't just sit there and let it happen. Yeah. So it wasn't. It definitely wasn't Barack's first time. Uh, that much I'm I'm absolutely certain of. Uh, and I would almost be willing to bet you it wasn't as last. Walk me through the logic here, Judson. <laughs> okay. Which part? Let's say this actually happened. Remember, you're, you're suspending your discipline. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I also believe this was not Barack Obama's first time. Uh, okay. It didn't happen. Okay. <laughs> I mean, how does the fact that a guy that's coked out of his mind lets you blow him in the backseat of a limo give you any indication that it's happened before or will happen again afterwards? Because he unbuttoned his pants, apparently. I don't know. That's That was what he said. A willing participant. I've blown a not sober straight guy once or twice. And <laughs> wait, actually, he might be on to something. <laughs> <laughs> so a question I have, and I'll admit, I, on I only watched half of this farce of an interview. So maybe this question was answered. <laughs> but... <laughs> First, let me play this clip, then I'll ask my question. Sure. What hotel was that? It was the Comfort Inn in Gurney. Ooh, that sounds depressing. That's why it was <laughs> trending. Oh, okay. So a guy staying at the Comfort fucking Inn on the outskirts of Chicago is just riding around the city in a limo all night. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Again, even if he was a state senator, they don't make that, they don't make limo money. That's not what the limo wasn't for him. It was for Sinclair. Oh, is that what that was? Okay. It was Sinclair's limo. Well, why did Sinclair have a limo? He didn't just. <laughs> <laughs> but in the story, why did Sinclair have a limo? It's like, I don't understand. It, it could have been way more. Like, he could have made the story way more believable. Oh, for sure. But he doesn't have to because he's going on Tucker. Right. And we're not the only ones questioning Sinclair's story, Judson. Well, that's good to hear. Per Politico, public records and court filings reveal that Sinclair has a 27-year criminal record with a specialty in crimes involving deceit. <laughs> Sinclair's record includes forgery charges in two states, one uh -huh. which drew Sinclair a 16-year jail sentence. The Pueblo County, Colorado Sheriff's Office also has an outstanding warrant for Sinclair's arrest for forging an acquaintance's signature and stealing her tax refunds. Really good idea to go on the internet and give an interview when they have an outstanding warrant for your arrest. Just, uh... Yeah. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so this is not legal advice, but if you have one of those, I don't recommend you do that. Not even the usual right-wing sheep are buying the story. Founder of Barstool Sports, David Portnoy, oh, tweeted this. Dave is terrible. You want to read this tweet from Portnoy? Uh, not really, but I will. I met Larry Sinclair when I was doing my Tucker thing a couple of weeks ago. I would trust Anna Delvey before I trusted anything Larry Sinclair said. Top to bottom, maybe the least trustworthy human I've ever laid eyes on. I'd say his story has 0.0% of being true, and that's generous. Tucker Carlson also had the audacity to cite a lie detector test Sinclair had taken as a reason to believe Sinclair was credible. What Tuckums failed to point out, Justin, was what? Uh, that he did not pass said lie detector <laughs> he test. the fucking test. Deception was indicated. <laughs> Finally, in a related story, Elon Musk requested hardcore nudes of Barack Obama engaged in gay sex acts, tweeting, Mr. Sinclair is not super convincing. Picks or it didn't happen. That is an actual quote. <laughs>
<laughs> well, speaking of secret gay sex, Judson, the Proud Boys are back in the news. I like your segue. Former leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, was sentenced last week for his role in the January 6th insurrection a couple years ago. And it was a long sentence. Yeah. 22 years in federal prison, which topped the previous longest sentence of 18 years, given to another former Proud Boys leader, Ethan Nordine. I think an an Oath Keepers guy also got Uh, 18 years. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I don't think the story is really about Tarrio's sentence. I think the real story here is one about math. They're real bad at math, so go on. So the Pratt Boys are good at a lot of things, Judson. Yeah. <laughs> like sure. standing back and standing by. <laughs> but one thing they're not good at is understanding the U.S. legal system. True. It turns out Terrio, Nordine, and a few other Proud Boys were offered plea deals. Justin, would you please take us through the offers these Proud Boys were given in those plea deals, followed by the sentences they received after refusing them. Sure. Tario was offered uh, 9 to 11 years, and that, of course, was sentenced to 22. Right. Nordine was offered 6 to 8 years and was sentenced to 18. Uh, Biggs. Not Andy, sadly. Not Andy, yeah. Uh, Biggs was sentenced to six, or, or was offered 6 to 8 years, sentenced to 17. Jesus. Real, 6 to 7 years, 15 years was what he actually got. And Pozzola was offered four to five years and, and is going to be serving 10. <laughs> I, I have no words. Do you, do you have a take on this? They gambled and lost big. They, they gambled on getting off entirely or on the fact that they will be pardoned eventually when Donald Trump wins again. They may be pardoned. We'll see. Right. They gamble. They're, they're still gambling. If they, even if he does win again, I mean, he didn't pardon them the last time. Nothing says he has to do it again this time. But they could have gambled, taken the plea deal, and still gotten pardoned, right? Yes, but then they've taken a plea deal, and then they would... Their whole self-image is built on these manly men who would never do uh, such oh, a thing. Oh, is it, Judson? May I remind you? Proud of your boy. <laughs> I'll make you proud of your boy. Believe me, bad as I've been, ma... You're in for a pleasant surprise. <laughs> surprise, maybe. Pleasant. Eh. Uh, that is their... That, we're not making this up, folks. That is their actual theme song. That is the basis of the name Proud Boys. That song. Taking a deal right makes there. them look weak to themselves and their friends. And that song doesn't. <laughs> weak and cowardly and and untrustworthy. That song was playing in the limo as Larry Sinclair <laughs> was blowing Barack Obama. I promise you. <laughs> Judson, the baseless push to impeach Joe Biden by the craziest of the crazy in the DKM house has reached a fever pitch. A fever dream reaches a fever pitch. Seems right. Apropos. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the extreme right on the DKM house, known on this show as the Treason Caucus. For good reason. Yes. Want to force a vote on impeachment on Tuesday. This coming Tuesday. Oh, the 12th. If it fails, what they hope to do is apply extreme pressure on the few less batshit members of their party and basically get their districts to pressure them to vote a different way. It's kind of uh, the, the shift censure playbook, right? Sure. Now, I don't know why Marjorie point of personal inquiry, Taylor Green, not a thing. Is, is, <laughs> is pushing this impeachment vote. I believe they kicked her ass out of the treason caucus for cozying up to pussy McCarthy. Well, Senator John Fetterman dared them to do it, claiming, quote, it would be just like a big circle jerk on the fringe right. Oh, <laughs> Excuse me, count me in. You're not you're not in the house, Lindsay. We're getting to you in a minute, Lindsay. <laughs> 
The people Kevin McCarthy sold his balls to, Matt Gates, Andy Biggs, Lauren Boebert, Andrew Clyde, Paul Gosar, Chip Roy, and the like, they are more than willing to shut the government down if McCarthy and the Biden impeachment holdouts uh, on the GOP side don't agree to pass an impeachment inquiry. Now, I will also say this. They're more than willing to shut the government down, even if they do. Absolutely. Remind me, Judson, what basis these clickbait Congress people have for launching an impeachment inquiry into, into Biden? Can you? And retribution is not a valid reason. I mean, it is to them, but the reason I think they're giving is all about Hunter, right? It's a, it's, it's about bribery that Hunter was supposedly bribing his dad back when he was vice president. Not now. That's, that's the paper thin excuse that they have tried to claim. What evidence have we seen of this? We've seen no evidence of this. Okay. I don't think they actually have any evidence of this. Uh, Every time they've claimed they have something, it's turned out to be nothing. Well, I've resigned myself to this impeachment inquiry passing because this is 2023 in the United States, and we are heading down a certain path, and it's becoming increasingly difficult, I think, at least to reverse course. It might. I don't know what good they think it'll do because it's obviously going nowhere in the Senate. So I don't think they care. I guess they don't. Yeah. Judson, the first Republican presidential primary debate happened while we were gone. Uh, I don't have much to say about it other than Jesus, Vivek Ramaswamy takes being a colossal douchebag to an entirely new level. Oh, it's it's Vivek because it rhymes with cake. You Do we need to play the rap now? Uh, we do not need to play the rap now, but <laughs> I was just making sure we got it right. More on him in season four for sure. Oh, God. Very exciting. Finally, in the news, Judson. When we ended season three, there had only been three indictments against Trump. It's so long ago. (laughs) I heard that number grew a bit while you were off planning, then executing the deep state climate change mind control of hippies at Burning Man. Oh, I forgot to do that. (laughs) That's not what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. (laughs) Well, why don't we leave it to Georgia State Senator Colton Moore to give us an unembellished facts only look at the latest Trump indictments? I don't even know who that is. Um. I tell you what, I mean, I woke up after these Trump indictments and, uh, you know, it was like a hair in your biscuit. That's what I felt like. Absolutely disgusting what was going on. We have a district attorney here who's taking my tax dollars, my constituents' tax dollars, my fellow Georgians' tax dollars, and is using it for political persecution. And to an extreme that these 18 plus Donald Trump that are indicted could potentially face the lethal injection here in Georgia. And I mean, John, I'm 29 years old. I'm, I'm not going to live the rest of my life worried about this Gestapo tactic tyranny going on in my state. Is he lying or are Georgia laws that dumb? He is lying. Okay. Just curious. Cause it really could go either way. <laughs> it's true. We <laughs> should probably actually handle the, uh, update on the indictments ourselves. Okay. Colton work seemed to drop the ball there. He got distracted by the hair in his biscuit. I guess. Trump and 18 other would-be election thieves were indicted on 41 charges in total in Georgia after a grand jury recommended the indictments. Now, District Attorney Fonnie Willis did not indict everyone they recommended, but more on that in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) The names of those indicted not named Donald Trump range from the architect of the Four Seasons Total Landscaping Presser, one (laughs) Rudolph, come here, big tits Giuliani, all the way down to some pastor from Illinois and Kanye West's former publicist. Just such a weird sentence. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all true. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, and finally, Mark Meadows got indicted. <laughs> Yay! Recently, Meadows and Judson's old fraternity brother, Kenneth Cheesebro, had their requests to move their cases to federal court rejected, which is a great sign. Yeah, for us. Absolutely. And Trump was going to do the same. He may still. But while it's extremely likely Trump gets pardoned for any federal crimes he might be convicted of, not even the governor of Georgia can pardon him in that state oh, I, until their gerrymandered state house and Senate change a law so that they can't pardon him. Right. Which is like, I assume tuesday as well <laughs> probably finally judson the grand jury report in the georgia case was released this past friday and it turns out they'd recommended charges against 39 people in total including south carolina senator and man who hasn't stopped masturbating to tuckum's larry sinclair interview <laughs> lindsey graham oh lindsey it's a good interview <laughs> I can't believe they didn't indict him, but I know the one that got away. Yeah. Now it turns out this isn't Lindsay's first near miss with the law, Judson. Back in May of this year, Russia issued uh, a warrant for Lindsey Graham's arrest over comments he gave in support of Ukraine. Right. I, I remember that. And now, apropos of nothing, <laughs> do you remember when we played Trump supporter Family Feud in our season three finale? <laughs> what is the top dead giveaway that a guy is homosexual? No one's guessing. No. Number five, supports Ukraine. <laughs> For the record, this was the number two answer. <laughs> number two, was vice president from 2017 to 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Can that Mike Pence ride a tractor or what? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Judson, you can call him a crackhead. You can say he's an insane conspiracy theorist, but don't you dare accuse Mike Lindell of selling lumpy pillows. Oh, I will. No, they're not lumpy pillows. That's not what they call on. No, they, they answer anything, any problem customer that wants to reach Mike Lindell. That when you say lumpy pillows, now you're an asshole. You got that? You're an asshole Mike, is what you are. Mike, no, sorry. he's an asshole. No, he's an ambulance chasing asshole. That's what you are. Lumpy pillows, kiss my ass. Put that in your book. <laughs> right. He really, really got offended about that. He sure did. I've never used a pillow. I never will. I will never be able to test whether or not this is true. I hear they're not good, though. Not surprised. Yeah. All right. I know there's so much more we missed while we were away, but there's only so much time in one of these podcasts. And we have a great discussion with the artist behind a fantastic reimagining of the insurrection at the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021, coming up after the break. We will be right back with that. You've rafted the Colorado. You've climbed the Statue of Liberty, but now you're looking for a different kind of adventure. It's time for the Capital Tour. When you travel with the Capital Touring Company, you travel with the best. So welcome aboard, Patriot. Today is the day American Patriots start taking down names and kicking ass. Your day begins as you step onto our spacious assault bus. You'll receive a pocket copy of the Constitution covered in bullet-stopping Kevlar and a travel my pillow. Enjoy your complimentary eight-ounce can of bear spray. While we travel, slake your thirst for freedom with an endless supply of monster energy drinks. For your entertainment, we'll treat all on board to a free screening of Birth of a Nation as we travel to Washington, D.C., proud home of the Redskins. Once we arrive at our nation's capital, you'll be able to gear up you and the family at our fully stocked outfitter van. Treat you and the little missus to a red, white, and blue truncheon. And don't forget to grab one of our commemorative flagpole spears. 
it's time to peacefully storm the halls of power. Our experienced guides will show you the way. You'll climb, you'll breach locked doors. Want even more adventure? Lovingly gouge out a Capitol Police officer's eyeball. Respectfully bash him over the head with a fire extinguisher. Smear you or your loved one's feces on a statue or painting of your choosing. Our guides will be right by your side as you take back what's rightfully yours. The Democrats already stole the election. Don't let them steal your God-given right to a totally normal, peaceful tour slash insurrection. We're the Capitol Touring Company. We make America great, one coup at a time. Where we tour one, we tour all. Well, we are no strangers to covering the violent and traitorous insurrection incited by Donald Trump and others on January 6, 2021, from its drop-dead serious aspects to the absurd and sometimes hilarious. <laughs> we thought it fitting on this anniversary of another terrorist attack on the heart of the nation to reflect on January 6 in an entirely fresh, thought-provoking, and kind of captivating way. It's also, to be honest, laugh-out-loud funny at moments, but it doesn't lose sight of the seriousness of that dark day in our history and the events both leading up to and flowing from it. So what the hell am I talking about? <laughs> yes. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> so I came across this spectacular piece of art while we were on break. It's a representation of January 6th in illustrated form. It depicts the Capitol building under siege, not only from the January 6th insurrectionists, but it blends in events, concepts, cultural moments, memes, even just all of these things surrounding January 6th. So I'm going to try to paint a little word picture here. Okay. Imagine a sprawling Where's Waldo drawing. Okay. Okay. But instead of looking for Waldo, you're looking for some like insane MAGA moment or idea that has to do with either directly or indirectly January 6th. Except in this Where's Waldo, they're all Waldo. Okay. Because <laughs> there are all these different MAGA moments and ideas. Every single character or dramatic moment depicted represents some kind of right-wing insanity that has to do with January 6th. And the twist is, it's a jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> okay. I'm not making any of this up. Normally, I would be making this up. I'm not. <laughs> well, we are so excited to have with us today the artist who created this masterpiece, Leon Fenster. Leon is a London-based artist whose art reimagines the familiar, be that cities or grand political narratives like the one we're talking about today. Welcome to the show, Leon. Well, thank you. It's great to be with you. I wanted to read a little bit of your bio just because I think it helps people listening kind of better imagine your work. I just found the bio really encapsulated your style of art. So I'm quoting now. Leon's drawings are a new form of storytelling, depicting the world not chronologically or geographically, but rather as we remember it in dreams and imaginations. Kaleidoscopes of interwoven memories colliding together to form new stories and ideas. Uh, Leon's work is complex, evocative, and dynamic. I think that does a great job of capturing what one of your pieces looks like. I mean, it describes this piece for sure. Well, I looked at a lot of different pieces that you've done, Leon, and, and they all sort of have that same feeling. Like you're approaching storytelling in a similar way in each of them, right? Yeah. Each one should feel like the artwork itself is an entire world unto itself. So right. you kind of immerse yourself into the sort of details and get lost inside. And you get to know this whole world that you may or may not know beforehand. And there's so much going on. It would be hard to take in a piece of your work in its entirety in one viewing. Like it rewards coming back to it and looking again. And I would almost guarantee you'd find something that you didn't see 
see the first time. No, that's right. I find it very hard to describe my art. <laughs> and I have to tell people, right, you have to spend an hour with it and th then come back and we can talk about At it. At least an hour. Yeah, right, exactly. You know, and I've sort of told all different kinds of stories. It could be the stories of cities. It could be the stories of a particular piece of literature or, or grand political narratives like this. So I also am sometimes commissioned to tell family stories, so of particular families' lives. And often they'll also put it up in their home. And the most rewarding thing is when they tell me, oh, every day we come to breakfast and we find something new and we talk about it over the breakfast. And that's that's what I do it for. That's cool. Actually, sometimes a, a problem I find, particularly my city artworks, people will say that they, they put them up like near the doorway of their house. And then when guests come, they never quite make it past the doorway because they just spend the whole time <laughs> lingering at the art and asking questions about it. So, again, that gives me satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a bad problem, yeah. No, that's true. And you'll have to clean the front door area. You don't have to clean the rest of the house. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suspect if they put a print of this most recent artwork, January 6th, up at the Capitol building, people would look for the exits. <laughs> right. Quickly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about this piece, January 6th, The Puzzle. And let's start with the obvious, okay? So you're British. Right. There's no shortage of insanity on your side of the pond. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that may be in my sights next, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Why Why January 6th? Why not Brexit the puzzle? Right. That's a good question. And that is something that's actually maybe in the pipeline. <laughs> so <laughs> the first thing I think maybe Americans don't always appreciate is how much the entire world follows US politics. We all can't escape it. <laughs> so that's the first thing. <laughs> We're so popular. So, exactly. For the right and the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. It's also personal to me as well. So I did, when I was younger, I did live in Philadelphia, actually. Oh, okay. And I also spend a lot of my time with Americans. So I actually a lot of the last decade living in Asia and most of the time I was hanging out with Americans and sometimes felt like an honorary American. <laughs> it's all from kind of a cliche to talk about the American kind of can-do attitude. But when you're in these sort of far-flung parts of the world, or at least far away from the States, you really realize what it means because Americans, they tend to be the muckers. They tend to be the people that just do things and make things happen and organize events. And like coups. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it can be for better and it can be for storming the capital. I mean, it goes both much, ways. Much worse. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a double-edged sword, really. <laughs> and I have to say, I've always admired that, you know, when it, when it goes right. <laughs> the few times that it goes right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why, you know, I, okay, we had Brexit, but it's sort of hard to imagine a, a sort of January 6th happening in Britain. I mean, maybe that's naive. I actually have in here a small reference in one of the corners to Guy Fawkes oh, yeah. planting gunpowder under the Houses of Parliament. But I don't feel the Brits have really done something like, quite like that since the 17th century. I mean, it can happen, but it feels like we don't quite have enough of a can-do attitude, you know, <laughs> to do this sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> so where did the idea come from? So as I said, I've, my art's always been about storytelling. And, you know, I was always looking for like the next big story to tell or the next wall or canvas to use to tell that story. Mm -hmm. This really just seemed like the bigger story happening and the big story that had to be told. And, you know, at first I told people the idea, I was a bit like discovering fire. It's a bit dangerous. They said, oh, I don't, you can't do that. It's too soon. And then we talk about it. I showed them the sketches of what I, what actually was going to be in the artwork. And by the end of the conversation, they would say, oh no, you have to do this. This could actually be therapeutic to help us deal with what's happened. Were these Americans you were talking to? They were, to? yes. Yes. So you have the idea, you sit down, where do you start? Did you start with a backdrop of the actual event? Like where creatively, how did you approach building this amazing, dynamic, complicated piece? I mean, the first step was actually to go and sit on the steps and inside the rotunda of the Capitol, consider it there. And that's why- Oh, I, wow. You went to the Capitol. Yeah, okay. I did. And that's why I did my first 
thinking and sketching of the idea. Now, was this on January 6th? Does the FBI... I, I thought we discussed before the podcast we wouldn't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was a fair bit after January 6th, but it's funny. After that, you just can't be in the Capitol. And everywhere you look, you just see this ringing in your ears and in your eyes. I mean, it's just, yeah. it changes how, you know, how you sit in the Capitol, really. That even more convinced me that I have to make this. You know, what's happened is, yes, it's so tragic. And so that could you just say, well, let's leave it alone. On the other hand, I think at some point you have to just hold your hands up and behold the absurdity. And I thought, well, as I said, I create entire worlds. I want to create an artwork, which is the entire world of the absurdity of how American politics has been turned on its head leading up to and coming out of January 6th. We are the world's cautionary tale. <laughs> right. <laughs> we most certainly are. So let's talk about the piece itself. And before we get into the details, why a puzzle? That's a very good question. It's not the obvious medium for it. That's right, at first. <laughs> You've never done a puzzle before, right? I know, I have never done a puzzle before. But now I think I might go back to some of my earlier artworks and turn them into puzzles. I think a puzzle makes a lot of sense when a piece is detailed with all these different components. Like when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle, you're constantly searching for connecting pieces to put together these these chunks and I think you would actually would be really interesting to put this together as opposed to just looking at it at, on my screen here because you'd be seeing I think the smaller details a little more readily I think that's exactly right yes and you know, as I said earlier the beauty of these artworks is that you can spend as much time with them as possible on so one thing I'm always trying to sort of train as it were viewers of my artwork <laughs> to see is that you know every detail in it has a purpose everything is there for meaning nothing is there by chance so that's right as, as you put the puzzle together and as you construct each part of it you really get to spend time with each element and really explore it almost like you're reading a book you know you really can immerse yourself in it so it seems like the perfect medium in that sense it's also a puzzle in another sense because there's this puzzle we're trying to piece together of how did we get here you know how did we get to january 6th and where do we go from here and so in a sense this is trying to help put the pieces of that puzzle together so it's it's a puzzle in two senses right i'm curious is that karl marx in the basket of deplorables Th that is not no you're the first person to spot that <laughs> it does look a bit like karl marx <laughs> it does look a little bit like karl marx yeah i was just curious <laughs> well maybe this is the uh, part of the, the the horseshoe approach to politics you know? <laughs> right. well, Let's back up since they can't see what we're, we're talking about. So we're looking at the puzzle fully put together and it's an external representation of the Capitol building at a slight angle. It's not head on. And if you just take it in without really looking at any details, it looks like a mass of people attacking the Capitol. It looks building. very familiar. Right, right, right. It, <laughs> it looks quite familiar. So then inevitably something's going to catch your eye and you're going to be drawn into some of the specifics of what is making up this extremely jam-packed image. I, I think there is a sense here in which, right, when you first glance at it, you think, oh, it's a crowd swarming around the Capitol. You instantly know that's January 6th. But as soon as you zoom in, you suddenly realize, actually, it's not really about January 6th, right? That's, it's really just using it as a lens to explore what January 6th is an unignorable, violent expression of. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not just how we got there, but it also addresses a little bit about the aftermath and where we've gone since. Yeah. So the first thing you see if you start at the bottom right hand is, well, I see the Trump stakes. <laughs> yes. Yep. yep. <laughs> and you've got some people carrying a big portrait of the founding fathers out of the building while they're bringing in uh, a portrait uh, of... 
yeah. Donald Trump's Trump. golf. Yeah. And as I said, <laughs> nothing is there by chance. So that particular portrait of Donald Trump they're carrying in is one of the portraits of Trump that I believe is up in Mar-a-Lago. Yep. And the, the painting they're taking out is poignantly George Washington resigning his commission. Right right next to the Access Hollywood bus. <laughs> right, right next to the Access Hollywood bus. And I'm so glad you pointed that out because my next question was, how much thinking did you put into and how did you decide to place the, the various components of the story relative to one another in this piece? Yeah. So there are there are a lot of, a lot of little relationships to discover. So you have the stories of the individual elements and their relationships between them. I tend not to plan too much in advance. I just start okay. and I think a few steps ahead. But, you know, for example, when you see Marjorie Taylor Greene, you see where she's pointing and you follow her finger up and you see actually what she's pointing to are some Jewish space lasers in the sky. Uh, right. a laser down. <laughs> and then if you follow that laser beam down, you find what's that landing on. It's actually landing on the point that Trump infamously added to the hurricane map when he oh, edited it okay, to yeah. fit his mistaken uh, tweet. Oh, it is. So the behind that is the two signs, count every vote and stop the count. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so there are paths to discover uh, within, within the artwork. Yeah, yeah I, I can't emphasize enough to folks listening how much fun it is to just pour over this piece and little by little discover all its brilliantly illustrated treasures. I'm not a puzzle person. Like, I'm probably going to get a print of it. I'm going to buy it. I've already found the website, if, but I don't know if it's the right website, so we'll figure out Actually, where Actually, Judson, this is a great <laughs> opportunity to tell people where they can get this puzzle. You can get this at jan6puzzle.com. So that's where I found I it. I believe good. it's in pre-order now. Is that right? That's right. So if you order, prints are actually available immediately and puzzles are in pre-order stage. Yes. Yeah, no, I totally want this. Uh, to get back to my thought, I can't emphasize how much fun it is to spend time with this. Like your depiction of Kubaka here, Jacob Chansley, in full, you know, fur hat and face paint, but he's at the top of the Capitol swatting away little planes like King Kong, <laughs> which is hilarious. And you've got Charlton Heston. Yeah. <laughs> Moses. Here, yeah. That's Moses holding a gun in one hand and a staff in the other. That's sort of taking us way back to like sort of the, the very, very beginnings of what got us to January 6th. You know, I don't know if Rush Limbaugh's on here anywhere, but he would be another. He one. is. He is there. Yes. He's there carrying a megaphone. And that's important because that's why I say it's both about Jan 6th, but it's also not about January 6th. Right. So, yeah, it was really important to include Rush Limbaugh in here because, as I said, this is both about Jan 6th and also not about January 6th. It includes all of the earliest routes for how we got here. And it goes as far back as the Flat Earthers. It's sort of, it's early, in this sort of early heyday of conspiracy theories. I did spot <laughs> that one. Yeah. <laughs> and the moon landing hoax. <laughs> so well-known MAGA Horcrux a can of Bud Light is sitting on a ledge next to, is that a Romney Ryan 2012 poster? Yes. So littered about are sort of famous campaign posters from bygone presidential campaigns of bygone eras before the Trumpian era. Right, for the sign of the missing P-tape. <laughs> it's really lovely to hear you exploring it in real time, because that's something I often don't get to do. You know, people have my artworks and they explore them. I don't get to really see how they're exploring them. So it's lovely having someone talk me through that. <laughs> <laughs> So the Bud Light thing is fairly recent. It happened, uh, I want to say May of 2023. It was a couple years after January 6th. So you've been working on this for a long time. When was the first sort of pens down moment where you're like, okay, I'm done. And then how many times did you pick the pen up as new insanity happened? You're like, I have to include this. I'm sorry. This is too crazy. Oh, that's right. It's got to be it. I mean, here. that was the hardest part about doing this. Exactly. When do you put the pen down? That's right. <laughs> I mean, you know, the next day there'll be something new. And at some point, I just 
just had to say, well, look, there's so much in here. One day I will make a sequel. So we'll save it all for that. <laughs> okay. You'll right. see that at the foot of the Capitol, the January 6th committee members are all sitting at their dais um, watching what's going on and taking notes. But yeah. almost as soon as I right. finished the artwork, you know, the new face of the investigation into everything that produced January 6th was Jack Smith. Right. So I wished I could have included him, but he'll have to wait for the sequel. So very few people actually know this. It's, I dare say, a facts and friends exclusive as you depict in this art for the first time the Daleks were actually involved in the January 6th century. <laughs> it seems right up their alley though doesn't it? I mean <laughs> exterminate <laughs> I don't know <laughs> exterminate democracy now was that just because all the cool people love Doctor Who or <laughs> <laughs> well spotted so this is actually another example uh, of how the artwork explores some of the earliest roots of how we got here so the Dalek is actually embracing a WMD uh -oh. supposed from Iraq. Both of them are weapons of mass destruction and <laughs> both of them were imagined. <laughs> <laughs> so what is, oh, there is fire. I did find the fire. My bad. Oh yeah, right there. It's right there by the uh, medical, the medical tyranny, tyranny syringe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's interesting. This is where this becomes almost reality is more absurd than the artwork because people look at this effigy of a, of a vaccine being burned in the fire and think, oh, that looks too absurd. But actually that's based on an actual effigy of a vaccine that was burned in a ceremony in Utah. <laughs> oh we God. covered on this show in season one, they had mask burning kids' birthday parties where like they take masks and throw them in a barrel of fire. Super fun for the kid's birthday. I was going to say. <laughs> <Kids> <laughs> it's like can we do Power Rangers or <laughs> mask burning? Let's do mask burning. Anything but a clown. I asked you this, and I don't know if you had time to do it because it would be quite an exercise. But when we talked earlier, I asked you how many different moments, ideas, characters, situations, memes, how many separate ones are depicted in this? It's in the hundreds, right? It's got to be in the hundreds. There's so much going on. Yeah, I think it is in the hundreds. And actually, I, th I think I began counting them gave up at some point. There's so much going on. Again, January6Puzzle.com. Check it out. If you're not in the car while you're listening to this, it might be fun to like look at it while you listen to us talk about or it. Like Elon Musk wearing the Tesla superhero outfit carrying a lance. <laughs> Riding the metal horse with the doge going dog right behind him. I love it. <laughs> love it all. You know, I think if Leon were still working on this, he'd have added the enormous, garish, overly brightly lit X sign being torn off the uh, the White House by by the authorities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Kill all the Twitter birds that are there and replace them with right. X's. I mean, <laughs> you have enough for the sequel already. <laughs> all we're waiting for is the tragic, violent moment. Yeah, where the I'm just worried we're going to do a sequel here, Tino. That's what I'm worried about. It's coming, man. Le it's Leon coming. can do a sequel. That's great. I just, I'm worried that we're going to actually do one ourselves. So that's the problem. <laughs> It's very interesting you pointed out Musk because this is where I'm hoping this artwork could mature over time. That even though, you know, I thought, well, it's so topical, it would become out of date pretty quickly. But actually, it becomes both like a memento of this particular moment in time, but also, you know, I, I put Musk in there, like just beginning to wade in before I knew what was to come, you know. <laughs> with, right, and yes. And so I actually, I really like that. I have him like just coming around the corner. Yeah. And so I'd foreseen what was to come. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I haven't even found Musk yet. Oh, he's the right um, side about halfway up, maybe two thirds of the way up with the big, he's White and red. Oh, there he is. I see logo. him. I yeah. see him. I see him. He looks a little too too heroic for my taste. <laughs> With the Dogecoin dog riding shotgun? No, I don't think so. He's fine. <laughs> 
<laughs> He'd probably be fighting Mark, not fighting Mark Zuckerberg, running <laughs> That's away. That's exactly from what Mark he's Zuckerberg. doing right there. He's not <laughs> fighting Mark Zuckerberg. It's just like real life. <laughs> right. Mark Zuckerberg is in here as well, so that's something to find later. <laughs> oh, I'll have to go. I'll have to go look. And I'm still looking for a rush. It does also come with a with a guide which explains some of the references. But of course, I didn't want to explain too many because you want the pleasure of being able to find you know find them over time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Well, someone's got to make a website, right? That's, that's going right. to like <laughs> point right. out every single reference. That's right. And maybe they'll even find something that I didn't I didn't know about. That would be strange. <laughs> <laughs> Part of why I thought it was important to make this is when you see all of these discrete elements side by side, swirling around each other, interacting with each other, you sort of get this glimpse of how bizarre it is that most of this happened, you know, within the last decade, you know, as though someone has like flipped warp speed on a time machine and you sort of take these discrete elements out of the daily news cycle and when you see them in isolation, put them right up against each other and you suddenly realize the full absurdity of how much has happened. I agree, yeah. It's phenomenal. And I finally found Rush. I haven't found Rush, but I found three Jacob Chansleys so far. Oh, really? Is he in there more than once? Yeah. I was going to ask if Trump was the only character that recurred. Interestingly, Trump both recurs and doesn't recur. There are a lot of references to Trump throughout because of course, this whole period is all about Trump as he likes it. But actually, he himself is not actually here. We have a Trump balloon, which is the picture of him. Somewhere his like red tie is disappearing around a corner. He's on loads of flags. So he's he's there and yet not there at the same time. Oh, wow. So there's the actual Trump is not there in the flesh. Just like in real life. Just like in real life. He was hiding in a bunker during January 6th, watching it play out with glee. And what I think is really cool about that one is that it's profound. It's not funny, right? And that's what this piece does. So we started out when we were talking about this, we were zoomed way out. We're just like, okay, there are people descending on the Capitol. And then we zoomed in and we, we picked apart all these little moments and, you know, we laughed and we were like, oh, wow. And we sort of caught our breath a second. And then when you zoom back out, you have a completely different perspective. So at the end, once you've already zoomed in, you zoom back out, you're like, holy shit, all of this is real stuff. And it hits you in a different way. And it hits you in a serious way, I think, when you zoom back out of the absurdity that you kind of were, you know, maybe <laughs> guiltily enjoying. At least I, I, I shouldn't say you. That's my experience of it. And I could still zoom back in and, and you know, go in for like... Like Giuliani's Four Seasons Total Landscaping. Oh, yeah, I love that. Case in point. It's so easy to just sort of jump in and then pull back out and just like, holy shit, we're living through this right now. Right. Yeah. And it's not over. I don't want you to tell people on the air, but I'm, I've got to know why Gollum is is there helping them with, put up the Trumps. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a lot of like references in there with dotted around, which are a little cryptic. But again, they have a meaning and people may discover over time why they're in there. <laughs> Tucker's tanning his balls. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Tucker is tanning his balls. It's, that is phenomenal. <laughs> So there are 787.5 pieces in the puzzle. How do you have a 0.5 piece and why? Yes. Well, as I said, everything's intended to have meaning. I don't like to do anything by chance. And I thought, well, even the number of pieces, that shouldn't be by chance. So what should it be? I was trying to decide, should it be 500? Should it be 1,000? I thought, no, it has to be something meaningful. So I thought, okay, I'll take the number of uh, millions that Fox News had to pay to Dominion voting. <laughs> uh, and that'll be my final way of sealing the artwork. That is fantastic. It's perfect. So just to sum up, Leon, what is it that you want 
people who experience this piece to walk away feeling or thinking? What do you want people to take away from January 6th, the puzzle? And maybe you don't care. Maybe that's not the point. This may be not in any way a humble thing to say, but <laughs> the comparison I most want people to draw from this, and this again may give away my Britishness, is with the Bayer Tapestry. The idea that we should be making artworks of even the most terrible moments in our history, that, that, that sort of depiction of this Norman conquest of England, right? you know, depicts a battle, but then you're looking closer and you find all these details and it kind of captures what was happening at the time and the context. And it becomes a way to just process that moment. And I just, especially just sitting, sitting in the rotunda of the Capitol with the sort of images of January 6th and also just everything that had led up to it flashing through my mind, I thought this has to be depicted in an artwork and we have to have something that maybe this is naive to say, but could help us like visually process it in some way. So are you going to sell a 70 meter long version? Well, I'm not against like, like, that. Like the tapestry? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have been actually looking if there's somewhere like a large blank wall that I could do a big Bayer tapestry sized version. <laughs> I, I think that'd be really interesting. That's for sure. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Leon. This is indeed a phenomenal artistic achievement, <laughs> made all the more engrossing by the fact that you can assemble it moment by moment as a jigsaw puzzle. Again, prints are available for those of you who don't want to put it all together. <laughs> Like me, I'm just too lazy. Honestly, my dogs would eat, eat the, the puzzle, puzzle piece. At least the half piece, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, so, right. The holidays are just around the corner. So if you want to pick a copy up for yourself or for a loved one or friends, head over to jan6puzzle.com. That's jan the number six puzzle.com. And you can pick up a copy of the I puzzle or so a print version, whichever suits you best. I honestly can't recommend it enough. It's super fun, extremely poignant, a conversation piece for anyone who comes over uh, if you display it in any way. And you should get them now before Trump's second term when they will not be legal for purchase <laughs> and owning one will be punishable by death. Am I going to have to hide mine? <laughs> you are definitely going to have to hide your puzzle oh. once Trump is reelected. This is the genius of your plan, Leon. You're way harder to get in England. Like they, he can't come after you for having made this puzzle. He can just come after us for, for owning it. <laughs> because he's made clear his second term is going to be all about retribution and imprisoning liberals that disagree with him. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah, I ask you, you, you may be high up on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, it was great having you. You're welcome back anytime. I can't wait for the sequel on one hand, but on the other hand, I know I'm going to have to live through it. So maybe I can wait. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for having me. It's been really lovely like getting to hear your exploration of the artwork. <laughs> oh, the pleasure's been all mine. Ours? Ours? Judson hated every oh. second of it. <laughs> no, he loved it. He, he bought it. I haven't even bought it yet. I really enjoyed this conversation. I actually had some new ideas to it, so thank you. Uh, oh, excellent. Excellent. <laughs> all right. We will be right back with a very important close topic. I'm coming after you, Oliver Anthony. Oh, no. Hey FNFers, Tino here. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about a new way to support the Facts and Friends podcast. You can become a supporting listener by subscribing to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash factsandfriends, all spelled out. Between our hosting service, recording equipment, and editing and production software licenses, it costs us a decent amount to make this show for you. So we were hoping you might help us at least break even. So what's in it for you? 
Well, first of all, you'll help keep the show on the air. But wait, there's more. All supporters will get access to the Facts and Friends Discord server, where you can interact with the Facts and Friends community, including me and Judson, and a few lucky supporters may get to read some classified military documents. Judson and I are deeply grateful for any support you can give, and we will prove it by personally recognizing each and every Patreon supporter on the air. We're also re-releasing a ton of episodes from Judson and I's old show, The UnPR Podcast, and those are exclusively available to our Patreon supporters. Here's a little taste of what that's like. A woman was horrified when she found a disgusting, quote-unquote, mystery object inside a carton of tomato juice. What's in the carton, Jamie? What's (laughs) in the carton? What's in the fucking carton? (laughs) Well, she called it a vile thing. That looks mm. like a fetus. Is this at the Planned Parenthood smoothie bar? I'm just <laughs> saying. She said that she drank a quarter of the tomato. You ever tell a joke and then feel guilty about it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tino, all the time, right? <laughs> at least 20 times a show. Doesn't surprise me. Sorry, so she, she was She drank a, fetus. a quarter of it. Before she realized, and I gotta say, I feel like I would only need to drink a couple glasses before I was like, this tastes like fetus. <laughs> That's such a distinct it taste. Though. It's, it's very mean, gamey. As, it's very as gamey. feminists, feminists and atheists, I think we all know what a fetus tastes like. Am I right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, the right rightly so, she was horrified and tried to return the fetus tomato juice. I mean, I will say it's an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, 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 right. You say tomato, I say tomato. Let's call the whole pregnancy off. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. I hate my brain sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> So please do help keep the show on the air by supporting us over at patreon.com slash facts and friends. And if you already have, thank you so very much. Thank you all so much for listening to the show this week. The Facts and Friends podcast is written and directed by me, Tino. Justin and I edit and executive produce a show, whatever the fuck it means to executive produce a show. We do it and we do it hard. I'm saying we fuck it up how, how best we can, I think. That's really what we do. Executive producers. Before we get to our close topic, <laughs> I actually want to be totally real with all of you. The Facts and Friends podcast needs your help. We're an independently produced show. That means there's no big corporation behind us paying any of the bills. I mean, sadly, most podcasts these days are owned by huge corporations. Or late night comics. Yep. Every <laughs> time I hear about a new podcast that some celebrity has launched that's already <laughs> making a ton of money doing whatever they're Made them a celebrity. Play, play the Mike Lindell. He's an asshole. I l- drop. <laughs> I lose a piece of. I I lose hair, and I. Ugh. I have a lot. Luckily, I have a lot of hair. <laughs> well, we are not one of those podcasts that are supported by corporations. We're an independent podcast. So by helping us out, you're not only helping keep this show on the air, but you're also doing your part to help support independent podcasters in general. Here's what you can do. Just tell your friends about the show. That's easy. Encourage them to listen and subscribe. Also pretty easy. Five star reviews on Apple Podcasts help a ton. So please leave us one. Have your friends leave us one. Have their friends leave us one. Finally, if you can spare a few dollars, and we know not everyone can, you would be doing us 
a huge favor by joining our community of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash facts and friends. There are all kinds of perks involved. I won't get into them now. I think we probably played a spot that explains some of them at least. So do consider that. Uh, you can support us for as little as $5. Have we talked about merch yet? We should do merch. We have, um, what's it call it? We have car magnets. We do have car magnets. I'm just thinking of like, uh, we could do t-shirts and uh, we can take this off the air. It's fine. Crack pipes. Crack <laughs> <laughs> Most importantly, if you've helped out, thank you so much. If you can help out some more, thank you for that. We would love to keep doing the show, but we can't do that without you. All right, Judson, I have to ask. Uh-huh. Are we cursed? Uh, because we built our country on a Native American burial ground? Like a giant one? <laughs> I mean, you and me. I mean, this show. Oh, I don't think we did that. I mean... Conjoint so. assholes enterprises. <laughs> for perhaps for another reason, maybe. Why do you ask? Because how is it that days before we release our huge project, our million dollar idea, a right wing country hate anthem aimed at capturing the hearts and minds to the extent that they have them of Mag America, performed by an invented persona with a fake name? <laughs> they hate this country. Wanna turn our straight kids gay We'll over our dead bodies That's why Jesus wrote to a We won't back down That days before we release this project, this asshole shows up. Control. Wanna know what you think? Wanna know what you do? And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. Cause your dollar ain't shit, and it's tax to no end. Cause a rich man, cause a rich man. That was Oliver Anthony's Rich Men North of Richmond, which caught fire thanks to billionaire donors pushing certain buttons. <laughs> Toward the middle to end of August, it jumped to the top of all the charts. It skyrocketed this Oliver Anthony guy into instant fame. (laughs) We released our single on August 15th, but rich men north of rich men had already cast a spell over Macedonia with the likes of Lauren Boebert and Matt Walsh all hailing it as a conservative anthem. The real deal. Now, Aldine's hate anthem, Try That in a Small Town, which was the catalyst for our project, was a soulless piece of garbage. (laughs) It felt like it was created by AI developed by Moms for Liberty. (laughs) I mean, yeah. Now now I'm thinking of writing a pilot where Moms for Liberty launch a tech startup. (laughs) (laughs) It just picks out books to burn and... Yeah. Whereas Aldine's shitty song was lazy trash, Anthony's song had a hook and his vocals were engrossing and passionate. I don't like country music and his song was getting stuck in my head. Really? Yeah. It d- didn't do it for me at all, but okay. It's because he's a ginger? Yeah, let's go with that. Sure. Okay. Now, now it wasn't bad enough that Anthony had stolen our moment of opportunity to swoop in and release a MAGA anthem for them to embrace. It turned out- He stole our fucking bit. Oh, you have no idea how much he stole our bit. <laughs> 
Oliver Anthony wasn't even really his fucking name. His name is Chris Lunsford. That's what I mean. He stole the fake identity from us, too. He stole the whole bit, the entire thing. You're absolutely right, because then it came out, <laughs> this motherfucker wasn't even a conservative. <laughs> he gave an interview after the GOP vice presidential primary debate, because that's what it was, uh, say, <laughs> saying... I was going to say, I didn't know they had a vice presidential prime, but oh, no, I got it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. After that debate, he said he wasn't a conservative and that his song was about people like the ones on the debate stage. Yeah. Yeah. So that was our thing. The whole bit, Tino. He took everything. Right. There was no part of our idea he did not steal from us. Maybe he showed up to the production. <laughs> Do you think he listens to the show? <laughs> I I don't know. Man. You cannot make this shit up. Somebody did. <laughs> Literally, because this. Well, yeah. our main distributor of our country hate anthem was not a GOP mega donor. He asked that we cut it down to three minutes before he pushed it out to the world. That won't be free. So we're going to have to see if we move it forward. <laughs> I've already poured some money into the hole that was our country hate anthem. Yeah. But it is out there on YouTube right now. And as repugnant as the lyrics are, the video is much much worse <laughs> well that's us done with our season four premiere fuck you oliver anthony thanks so much for listening please don't forget to support the show however you can it is honestly the difference between a season five and this season being our last well, that that and trump getting reelected and making us illegal that's true we'll see you next week take care everyone What is your most embarrassing crush on a right-wing person? I don't know, Tommy Lauren, I, I guess? Well, my answer's longer. <laughs> okay. Mine's more than one person. Uh-oh. All right, here we go. Um, don't hold this against me. Oh, I'm gonna. <laughs> Madison Cawthorn is a big one. It has been for a while. <sighs> Jared Kushner. <laughs> And it's not just because of that $2 billion, that, uh, I was $2 billion say, dollar bribe. It was, it was the first the time you heard Saudis. his voice, wasn't it? It was the first time you heard his voice. <laughs> <laughs> All the 80 sitcoms dudes in their primes, Scott Baio, Kirk Cameron, Ricky Schroeder. Oh, sure, sure. Oh, boy, this is going to get worse. Uh, Ethan Schmidt is pretty easy on the eyes. <sighs> Tino. Minus the stupid facial Tino, hair. Tino. But we're not going to be friends anymore after this. <laughs> Uh, what about Christian Walker, Herschel Walker's son? He's pretty gorgeous, though he might he might be part at least part werewolf. So I don't I don't know if I'd be down for that. That's but, it's um, risky. It's he's, risky. He's really good looking. I don't know if I should even reveal this last one because you might just hang up the Zoom call and quit the show. You got it now. Oh man, let's just. All right, that's our hiatus meal. No, back no, who's the last one? <laughs> no. Don't rob yeah. our questions, questioners mm. of their answers. To preserve my own dignity. <laughs> oh, this is going to leave a mark. This is not like every angle all the time, but a tiny bit, only some angles. Nick Fuentes. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Can we cut it down? All right. That's our hiatus <laughs> mailbag oh show. God. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, I'll never be able to unhear that. I, I need to go look for a new co-host for season four. Uh, I hope you all learned everything about us you wanted to know and some things you maybe didn't. Definitely. <laughs>